Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And we do a little show called Solid Steps Radio. And this show, the history, the, the story, the hope behind it is that we would be a show for men, by men, talking about things from a man's perspective. We believe that men, yes, we can do sports, weather, and politics really good. And that's okay. There's a place for that. But there's an end of life where you have to look at and go, is that what my life is going to be defined by? And we believe there's more to life. And we believe here at Solid Steps that you are not living out your destiny as a man by God's design if you are not walking with the man, Jesus Christ, in fellowship with him and relationship with him. Now, there's a lot of good people in the world, but at the end of the day, if you're not walking with the Lord, you're not living out your destiny. And that goes for women too, but we want to talk primarily to guys. So today's topic, we always talk about things that would be interesting to men, stories, uh, principles to help them run their business or life better. Guys love a blueprint of what to do, give us something to do. But I'm going to say a word today that when I say this word, there's going to be something in most people's mind they will turn off. If they physically don't turn off the radio, they will mentally turn off the radio when I say this word. And it might even be a word that stirs something in you that you're like, what, what, what is that? Why does that stir something in me? Okay, so pre-warning you, here's the word. <laughs> Trauma. Now, when people hear that word, they might think car crash or a lot of different things, a traumatic event. But if you ask most men, tell me the most traumatic thing that has happened to you, a lot of guys will go, you know, I haven't had a lot happen. But the reality of it is there's more people walking around traumatized than want to lead on. So today we're talking about trauma in the context of receiving a wound And we don't mean a broken bone wound. It might be, but at the end of the day, we're talking about the inner world wounds and what that looks like and how to walk through that process of acknowledging them and then coming out on the other side. So Chad, we've talked about, you you and I talk about when we, we bring in a guest and there's certain guests that we know we're going to get a free counseling session for the next hour. The only reason we do this show for nine years is we are too cheap to actually hire counselors. We come in, give them a show, and take a lot of notes. So Daryl Davis, the pressure's on. <laughs> counseling session begins. All right, man. Daryl Davis, welcome back to the show. It is so great to have you back. Thanks, Kurt. It's, uh, it is a joy, delight. Brother, we, have, we met 20... Uh, about, about 20, 20 some years ago and we met in prison. Yeah. Actually 24 years, Kurt. Was it 24? 24 years ago. 24 years. Kurt, what were you in for? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, we don't want to speak to the confidentiality. That's right. right. We're on air. Um, Daryl, I have just watched your life. And it has been absolutely a joy. It br- I smile when I hear the name Daryl Davis, and uh, when I see you today, and I, you know, I it was a joy. It was a a, a smiling experience when we met twenty four years ago. Yeah, 
you asked me to come into prison and to speak to some inmates and to uh, help you with accountability groups and iron sharpening iron and disciple making, discipleship and helping men grow and and uh, and now to see you out of prison. Um, so uh, tell our listeners real quick. We we've done a show in the past, so uh, but we've got a lot of new listeners. You were in prison how long? Twenty two and a half years. Yeah, when I've introduced you before, and and I've said, you know, Daryl, you've been in twenty two years, and you, no, 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 it's twenty two and a half years. <laughs> Don't forget that last half a year because that adds up. <laughs> if you were in there waiting for your good time and your release date, every day is a day. That's, oh. <laughs> Don't minimize it, Kurt. <laughs> uh, twenty two and a half years, Daryl. You. Um, so we're going to talk about wounds and trauma. Um, and, and what that does to a man, talk about that just a little bit from your perspective. So I had a pretty rough childhood experience coming up and, um, was thrown from home to home. My dad was mentally ill and, uh, some molestation along the way. Um, a lot of rejection and abandonment was kind of left for dead, if you will, many times. And even in my, uh, pre-cognitive years to the cognitive years, um, I just felt like, um, didn't have a place in the world. Didn't have a lot of value upon me. And um, so I felt made to feel that way. Uh, whether that was true or not true, that's what I framed up in my inner narrative. So when you say inner narrative, talk to our listeners. What, what, what do you mean by that? So our inner narratives are the stories we tell ourselves about who we are, the world around us. Uh, they're shaped by various factors and influences throughout our lives. It's no single starting point or a specific age. In fact, I think our inner narratives are constantly changing uh, from lies, pactful of lies, to truths. And I think that's what Christ wants to do in our lives. So I, there's there's probably some guys listening, like, I never even thought about that before. What do, you, what, what do you mean an inner narrative? And there can be some very positive inner narrative. Absolutely. And then there can be just some really, really negative and false and horrible narrative that we are constantly rehearsing. Correct. Talk about that. So first of all, I would say to those folks uh, that have not heard of that, uh, welcome to my world for the first um, 50 some odd years, because I, I knew nothing about that uh, until there were some situations and circumstances in my life that kind of uh, forced me to take a look differently at myself. Um, and even, and, and at that point in time, Kurt, I had a lot of education. I'd been poured in by a lot of people poured into, uh, and was super blessed and even leading a ministry and free. Um, but those circumstances led me to a deeper introspection to figure out that like there's some broken pieces still, even after 22 and a half years of working in, in you know, in Christ and you know, letting the Holy spirit probe my heart and and change a lot sanctificationally within me, um, I realized there was a lot that needed to be addressed. So listeners, just so you know, this is a highly intellectual guy that we're talking with here and, um, and highly educated when he was, and Daryl, when you were in prison, you got, did you get your GED or did you already have it? I got a GED. You got your GED. Then you got an associate's degree. Then you got your uh, under, under uh, your undergrad, yep. then you got a master's of divinity at the same time. All of this is while you're in prison. Um, you are, you're, you're far more educated than Chad and me combined. <laughs> <laughs> I had time. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. <laughs> oh my golly. And then, and then 
you you learned all these. You, you took class after class after class, and you knew that you needed to can um you know work on you. You learned work skills and all, all these wonderful things while you were in prison. Yeah, and you were born again. I was before I went to prison. Yeah, I mean, right before you went to prison, yeah. you got saved. The Lord Jesus Christ came into your life. And you're doing all this stuff and growing and deepening. At the same time, you had never heard about this inner narrative. You'd never really understood the trauma and the difficulty. Now, some listeners right now are are going, well, I, I didn't have any of that. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have uh, that kind of dad. I had, you know, mom and dad. But there's 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 a lot of listeners right now that had maybe smaller pieces of trauma some kind of father wound yeah kind of unpack that a little bit please so before the show we were talking a little bit about um, how trauma is a subjective term uh, meaning that for you know for what trauma would be for one person perhaps wouldn't be for another um, and so I, I guess that is all built on our own DNA um, but you know when when trauma takes place um, there's a lot of things that happen behind in the wake of that, and and we form up that inner narrative we're talking about right here by that uh, trauma, um, and in that inner narrative, it's the belief system that's attached to it about that particular situation, um, and once that's etched into our minds and hearts, you know, we we kind of live out of that trauma and out of that narrative. So, d- d- describe a few things to our listeners, our average listeners out here, that. Th- wounds and some things that have happened to them that mean they might never really have thought much of. So, um, I think, I think when we talk about trauma, we can go from anything from an immediate, uh, sibling loss, uh, to a parent that passed away, car wreck, um, you know, maybe hospitalization through some kind of situation with your own health. Some of those things would entail trauma, but there's some things that take place on, on the tail end of it, um, that can take place and, and normally do. And, and one of those things is dissociation. Um, I, I think that's one of the big terms that we, we need to look at today for sure. Uh, dissociation is where you kind of shut down. You know, God has given us a, a natural defense mechanism within each one of us uh, that can shut down in, in, the, in the face of a wound. You've heard of people getting a leg severed, and yet uh, somehow they're disconnected from the pain of that and can still move on uh, and get to a place where they can maybe survive. Um, and so well, I'll tell you what, Daryl, we're going to take a break. I want to, I want to hear more about continue on that. So for all of our listeners, this may have triggered something in you're like, Oh, you know, I don't know. Just hang in there. Just get through it. Cause a lot of people won't even start the process. Daryl's been going through it for years. So he's unpacking something from a long time ago. So we're going to take a break, come back three more segments to talk a little bit more about this process called trauma and healing wounds that only God can heal. They're on solid step trick. Ellen and Credit Union has been around the Louisville, Kentuckyana area for decades. They can help you with every financial need that you have, whether it's personal, commercial, you need a home loan, car loan, Ellen and Credit Union can take care of you and all of your financial needs. Bright Star Home Care, if you have someone that you love and care for that needs in-home care, whether they need one visit a week or they need 24-7 care, Bright Star Home Care is your very first contact to start that process and find out what's best for you and your loved one. We also want to thank 
podloo.com. That's Louisville Podcast Studios. If you want to do a professional sounding podcast or video cast, you want to look and sound great, Louisville Podcast Studios is your contact. Go to podloo.com. That's P-O-D-L-O-U.com. So our guest, Daryl Davis, was on our show the very first time in 2018, depending on when you're going to hear this. It was episode 146. Episode 146 goes into much more detail of his story and gives us, it'll give you a lot more background in regards to trauma and how much trauma can affect somebody's life. So Daryl, we were talking earlier about this, this trauma and different types and um, exp- just ex- explain to our listeners that connection and how we tie that into our inner narrative. And sometimes we don't even know about it. I mean, we're not even cognitive of our inner narrative. Yeah. So the organization that we run, the Prisoners Hope, a lot of the families that we work with, um, you know, their children are traumatized by events such as a door being kicked in, a computer being seized, uh, dad going to jail, rested. You know, can you imagine being in the middle of the night, sleep, and your dad is the person that you love, you trust, and, you know, he's there every day, and now this is happening. Uh, that's a trauma. And so in the wake of that, there's some things that happen, you know, um, immediately. Uh, again, we have this natural defense that God has just kind of innately wired us with. It's a beautiful DNA at some points, and at other points it can be used against us. And so what I mean by that is uh, out the back door of um, that kind of trauma or divorce, you know, family going through a divorce, you know, you, you trust that all is well, my mom and dad. And the next thing you know, this, this, you're, you're broadsided by this train feels like that mom and dad are divorcing or molestation. You know, all these are traumatic situations, but out the back door of that, we have the ability to dissociate. Uh, the, dis, the term, the psychological term dissociation basically means a disconnect from reality. So we're able to kind of, if you will, step back from the pain or step back from the reality or the the damaging effects of a situation in front of us. Um, and we're able to do that. But oftentimes, you know, and I said it can be used uh, for us or against us. That is a real natural defense that we have been wired with, but sometimes we don't get to step back. Sometimes we live in the shadows. Sometimes live in the wake of that. So describe to our listeners, you were a Christian. You, you were working through uh, all these things we described in the first segment, you know, your education, and you were learning intellectually, um, academically, you were succeeding in, in prison. I mean, you were getting, you were getting perks, you know, right, uh, in, in prison because of your behavior and all the things that you were doing right. And then, and then you get out of prison after 22 and a half years, when did you realize and how did you realize that, oh, my goodness, yes, I'm born again. Yes, Jesus is my Savior, but I've got a crazy inner narrative. Yeah. 
talk to us about that. So it was kind of fluid in prison. You know, every day was pretty much the same. It was Groundhog Day there. Um, but I was blessed to be able to be in the worship team, playing bass. I was got to teach classes and discipleship. And so I busied up my time and, and, and did the work before me that the Lord had presented me an opportunity to do. And I felt like I did that well. And, and so I felt pretty healthy spiritually, Kurt, as I came out of prison, um, living that way for 22 and a half years, the best I could be disciplined, um, living strong. But when I came out into community and acclimated back into society, um, wasn't long, six months after I was out, I got married to Tiffany, who is a godly and wonderful woman. And, uh, but uh, she began to identify as a godly woman some things that were broken in me. And, um, you know, pride, uh, uh, men normally have pride. I'll own mine. I'll make that uh, personal. I, I had pride that, you know, sometimes sets up walls, that erects walls that don't let you hear that. Or you hear it and you dismiss it. And so uh, as she identified some of those things and some circumstances and situations took place in the marriage, um, it kind of uh, unraveled me at the seams. And I realized I need help. You know, I finally, I, I think the Holy Spirit just, just humbled me to a place of realizing that, like, I can't do this. I can't do this without the help I need. And I wasn't able to be, I wasn't aware of it in prison. I wasn't able to identify that in prison. I didn't have the resources or people around me that were uh, capable of saying, hey, bro, you kind of jacked up in this particular area of your life. So one of the things you told me the other day was that when you would walk into a room, what was the inner narrative that you would hear? Oh, gosh. So uh, I guess being from being feeling like a throwaway all my life and been thrown from home to home and rejected and abandoned, I felt like I didn't have much value. So no matter what the educational level was in, in the room of the people there, I felt the least of them. I felt like I was the, the lowest on the bar. Like who would want to talk to me? Who, who, you know, what do I have to say? Uh, I was socially awkward and uh, the narrative just kind of turned me in. I don't think I was an introvert always. <laughs> I think that I was an extrovert. I was born to be an extrovert, but I think my fears in, in, you know, turned me into an introvert. Like I just wanted to live in. So the narrative that you would... You, you you heard in your inner mind, in your inner world, and you became almost, you know, cognitive of that, was like, I, I'm going to walk in here and I've got nothing. I've got no value. I, you know, these people are so much better than me. Um, and Chad, I think that's so true as we, I think we walk in church that way. Mm. I think we... we I think we got men all over the place, including myself at times, right. where we walk in and we, we have this narrative similar to what you were just talking about. Yeah. You know, this is, I think, super important, Kurt. The narrative wasn't a narrow message. It was tacit. It was, it was very quiet. So I felt it more than I was hearing it. Does that make sense? Yes. I felt that way. And so the narrative, the inner narrative has a way to make us feel a certain way, especially when we hit trigger points. And so a trigger point would be now I'm confronted with a crowd of people. Uh, I'm socially awkward immediately. That's what I start feeling like. I know I'm socially awkward. I don't like, I don't say that to myself, but I feel that. And so it, again, it's very tacit, but it's, it's a strong directive because it directs your path. It directs how you feel, how you, how you interact Talk, talk. So, so tie that in then with our inner dialogue and, so, and what is the difference between an inner dialogue and our inner narrative? So the inner narrative is, is what we framed up, um, about certain situations or, or, uh, 
uh, circumstances in our lives, the inner narrative is kind of a, a, a some people would call that uh, your self-talk. You know, this is actually a biblical term because in four instances in the Gospels, Jesus said he knew their thoughts. That word thoughts is dialogosomai, and it means inner dialogue. So he knew what they were thinking. He knew their inner dialogue. We don't. We do not. We are often, so many times not able to, to identify what that inner dialogue is. But I can promise you this. Whatever the narrative is that you framed up, it has plausible arguments, and it affirms what your belief system that's attached to that narrative is. And so it, they work hand in hand. If you believe that you're you know, just a piece of crap, that's kind of what you feel. And, and then you've got a plausible argument. You've got some inner, some inner dialogue that's basically re- reaffirming that, like, I'm, I don't have any value. I, I'm not worth much, man. Who would want to hear what I have to say? Like, who would want to shake my hand? So when you began to feel that, when you, okay, you're out of prison, you're, 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 you are successful, yeah. but you still feel that. How did you begin to not just become aware of it, but then what were your next steps? So that is a key word. That is the code cracked right there, Kurt. It's the awareness. And you don't, the old idiom is you don't know what you don't know. And so somewhere along the way, you have to become aware that there's some broken pieces. And to do that requires some work. We have to be very intentional to go in and do that work. And, and when we begin that path, inevitably, we will figure out, we will become aware of certain things. And as we become aware of them, that's our opportunity to go in and, and change the narrative. Uh, in the psychological world, it's called neuroplasticity. So the brain can be rewired. Um, the, the, you can change the game. We can have, you know, thinking that's error, uh, erroneous, or we can change that when, by identifying it and beginning to think, to think differently. Just like Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the Holy Spirit is able to, by neuroplasticity, change the wiring of our brain and change the things that we think. Uh, and truth is the other guardrail in that. Truth, the Word of God, is the thing that tells us what is truth and what's not. And so I think those are the two guardrails that we can live in within the boundaries of and realize that, you know, this is a lie and this is truth. So when, when you were <clears throat> feeling those thoughts, you already knew scripture. I did. You already knew Romans 12 too. Sure. How did you, how did that work? So again, the, the, the inner dialogue has plausible arguments and they're very tacit. They're like the ticker tape at the bottom of your screen when you're trying to watch the news and Dow Jones and NASDAQ is down there and you're like, man, well, take that off my screen. I'm trying to pay attention here. And after a while, you know what you do? You just stop paying attention to it. And that's exactly what the inner narrative is and the inner dialogue and how they work. You just stop paying attention and they become the driver. They become the, the directive in your life and you live out of that and they begin to direct your paths. So we're going to take a break and some of you need a break. <laughs> Because you're going to go, whoa, wait a minute, man. So let's take a break and come back. And I, I hope you do come back. If you don't, go to the podcast later if you can't listen to all of it. That's Solid Steps Radio is the name of our show. And we're going to take a break, come back, and hear a little bit more from Daryl. And not just about what do we do with this, but living with it, but how do you live? come out of this. So we're going to take a break be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio.
Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Eric Veal has been a sponsor of our show since the beginning. If you need your teeth cleaned, overall dental health, Dr. Eric Veal can take care of you. He's got two locations in the Louisville area, one in Iroquois Park area, and then the other in eastern Jefferson County. That's Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. And Frank Enterprises, they are a professional septic tank landscaping and wastewater management company. If you have water outside your house that's not going where it's supposed to go, or you have septic tank issues or any landscaping needs, Frank Enterprises can take care of you. Their years of experience will come through and you will be thankful you called them. So if you're listening, still listening, this is the third a segment, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Daryl Davis today, and he's talking about trauma and the wounds of a man and how we come to aware, be awareness of it and, and how do we come out of it. We're going to actually do two shows because this deserves two shows to talk about. This first show, your first two segments and these next two segments are going to be predominantly about the unhealthy inner dialogue, inner narrative of a person that they would have from wounds and trauma in their life. The next show we're going to do with Daryl is going to be what healthy inner narratives and inner dialogue look like and how through God's hope or help and hope (laughs) will change and go from unhealthy to healthy, which it is possible to do. So Daryl, when I, when I think of this topic, I, I think of so many men who have father wounds, mother wounds, sometimes church wounds, family wounds, divorce wounds. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And, and you start mentioning these, like, these affect us. Yeah. Um, and so, but you mentioned the other day when we met the power of the driver. Yeah. What in the world are you talking about? So every narrative has the ability to drive us into unhealthy places, into the arms of unhealthy women, into the arms of unhealthy friends and community. Uh, They just do. Um, And along the way, we adapt to the thing that becomes the vehicle uh, or the the driving force that gets us where we need to go. Most people out the, uh, in the wake of trauma trauma are looking for some kind of, um, something to ease the pain. And so um, what we do is, because the dissociation is very much like numbing, um, that becomes a thing. If we don't get past the trauma, if we don't process through the trauma, we set up camp there and we can die there. Um, and so... And we, and we can be a Christian. We can be a Christian. I, I was a Christian that was dead there in that particular... I was, I, I was in my late 20s um, after, you know, when I was saved and all the way through prison... You know, I, I did all the, I felt like I did all the right things. I, I served the Lord with all my heart, but emotionally I was still operating at about a 12 or 13 year old, you know, emotional mindset because I set up camp there and died. And so trauma looks for a way to continue to numb itself and live in the shadows of life and live outside of reality. And that's why people can commit crimes without conscience, their conscience being attached to that. It's how men can divorce women and never look back and never think about all the intimate times. It, it, it can explain a lot of things that we won't get in here, Kurt. But I want to say, normally, to continue down that path to be numb or to escape the pain, we pick up pornography, we pick up drugs, alcohol, 
Some people just pick up workaholism. They become workaholics. Some people, they, they, their quest is prominence, prestige, you know, whatever it is. You know, they, they, they run from something and into the arms of something else. So whatever the driver is, you can trust me, it's driving, and it's driving you hard. You know, I love this, the old saying about how can you tell um, um, when, um, uh, what's the term, um, who's, who's in charge? And, and it's this, that Jesus leads and Satan drives. So it's, it's a good way to, to realize, you know, what's happening in your life. If you feel driven, guess what? You're probably driven by Satan. If you feel led, you're probably led by the good shepherd. And so those drivers are powerful, and they do drive you. Talk about a few di- uh, different kind of drivers. So you mentioned pornography. You mentioned maybe workaholism. Um, name a few more. So I think prestige, uh, prominence. Um, I think uh, pornography. A lot of our, our clients are have have used pornography as, as a driver to drive them into places that are unhealthy, you know, and it just sets up one more addiction. The other day you were talking about a guy that you're working with yeah, and who became aware. Yeah. And so he was in the middle um, of being led off into the wrong path. You know, he was caught sexting with a married person um, and his wife was was aware, and she confronted him. She was a godly woman, and she was loving enough to stay with him, but it was the that uh, divine moment, the crisis of belief that God allows in our lives sometimes to bring us to that place, and so that was his epiphany. That was his divine appointment. Uh, fortunately for him, he humbled himself. He prayed. He cried. Uh, he threw himself on the altar of mercy and into her, his wife's arms, and uh, and asked for help. And I think that's the biggest thing that men uh, have such a difficult time asking for, just help. So, so Daryl, you now personally, you, you, you start becoming aware. And, and then there were some key pieces of help for you. What were they? So the people that God had surrounded me with, um, that's the, you know, we, we have to submit ourselves to the discipleship. You know, the, the, we're always being discipled. I don't care how mature we are spiritually. We should always be submitting ourselves to discipleship. And so a, a man of God is known by what he's running from and what he's running to. And so I think that's huge that we run into community. We run into the opportunities and be intentional about being discipled. So submitting yourself to a group of people that you trust uh, I think that's the most important thing. Uh, secondly, um, you know, it's it's amazing. My wife was amazing uh, along with my path as I become aware of some of the things I was coming aware of, uh, submitting to counseling and in that community. Uh, she was there. She she exhibited the, the Proverbs thirty one. She gave grace, and uh, she was amazing along the way. And and it was not a, a fast journey, Kurt. It was a slow journey. It was it was one piece here and one piece there, but a lot of introspective pieces along the way, a lot of prayer and and silence and solitude, and um, the desire and intentionality to get away from where I've lived all of my life. But once I began to to see some of those uh, lies that were packed into my inner narrative, I began to realize what had driven me for so many years. When you I mean, you did counseling for how long? 
right about eight years. And I'm still in two small men's groups uh, that, if you will, are pretty much counseling sessions. <laughs> so it was amazing. Those, I, I wouldn't, you know, I try not to miss those for anything. It has to be a, a real situation for me to miss those appointments with those, my, man, my men. You know, they're just, they're awesome. Men in your life who you trust, yeah. who they speak into you and help feed you yeah. and challenge you and hold you accountable and love you. And accept you. Yeah. That sounds like the church. Sounds like what the church should be. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? There's one more layer of that virtue list there, Kurt. And it's that you can say anything. You can be who you really are. You can show up genuine and authentic and be who you are and still be loved and, and given mercy and grace and accepted. And that's been my fear all of my life. Like I've always thought if people knew who I was, they knew what my thoughts were. If they knew my inner narrative, if they knew me, they would run for their lives. So you, you had to be scared stiff the first time you were with these guys and you began to be really vulnerable. Yeah. Talk about that just a moment. Yeah. And that's, that's a key word to vulnerability. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a place where you're willing to let your guard down and, and, and let people see intimately inside of you. And so, um, you know, obviously I was not the lead off. Um, I waited for others to, to share. And when they unpacked theirs, I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. I think I will unpack too and see what, test the waters. And so I began to unpack and they called me out on some things and they, they pulled me deeper into the water and, uh, but they, they loved me. And as I began to cry, I'll never forget some of those first sessions, you know, as I began to cry and, and sit in my chair and, and really feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, you know, they got up and, and grabbed me and held me, man, put their arms around me. You would have, if you would have never opened up had not the other guys opened up before you. No, I wouldn't have. I'd have still been sitting there, Kurt. You would have hid. You would have had secrets. Yeah. I, I, one, of the, one of the things that, I, to me, is the beauty of confession yeah. and the openness. And a lot of times we think 1 John 1, 9, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which is so true. But that's the vertical confession. Yeah. We forget the horizontal confession of confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. That's right. And that's really what was taking place with those guys and with the counselor. Yeah, that's right. How, how long did it take you to really open up to the, your counselor? You know, it was a little easier with him than it was with a group of men. Um, it was confidentiality behind doors. And, and so I unpacked some things pretty well. But I, I was careful how I unpacked them. But he was a, a strong enough counselor to where he knew how to tease that out and bring out and, 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 and investigate more. And finally, before I knew it, I was found out. <laughs> well, we're going to take a break and come back for one more final segment. And again, we're talking about an unhealthy inner world, inner dialogue, inner narrative. Next show with Daryl, we're going to talk about a healthy version and how we get to that through the help of the Holy Spirit. But we got one more segment to talk more about this. And then we'll be back uh, for another show talking about the flip side of this. So come on back for one more segment. Hang in there and come on back on Solid Steps Radio. Hadley Sign Solutions. 
Owner Chris Hadley has 35 years experience in design, manufacturing, and the installation of commercial exterior electrical signage. He can help promote your business in Kentucky and Southern Indiana. Call him at 502-419-7228. That's 419-7228. Or you can email him at HadleySignSolutions at gmail.com. That's HadleySignSolutions. Dan Hart Financial, if you want to retire or want to talk about retirement, whether you're a year away or 20 years away, Dan Hart can sit down, come up with your plan that you uh, need to have, or talk about your plan that you have in place and see if it's a good fit. Dan Hart Financial. So in the first three segments, we've been talking to Daryl about the inner narrative, the inner dialogue about people who have received a wound or trauma in their life and how their inner world has been shaped by it. And so the next show, as we finish up this segment, we're going to talk about what a healthy inner world looks like as regards to dialogue and narrative. So hang in there for that one. And uh, as we finish this one, it's one of those things that this brings up the, the, the idea that it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 11, where we talked about this this week. I talked about my kids. I sat four of my six boys down this week and said, I want to talk to you about what confession is, why we should do it, and what the benefits are. And we started talking about what is a confession? What does that mean? Vertical confession, horizontal confession. And all of a sudden, it, 1 Corinthians 11 says, Paul said, some people in this church, you are weak and sick, and some of you have died because you have not examined yourself. Boy, oh boy, this is part of that process. Good work, well, I, I mean, yeah, and Daryl, when we got together, it's this whole awareness and humility and all how that's all tied together and... Um, but I, 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 I love what you say. You can follow Jesus. You can be born again and you can be living in a false and negative narrative. And you mentioned something the other day that you can even sabotage yourself. What do you mean by that? So I, I think, uh, the, the messages that we receive in our inner narrative, uh, the things that we frame up as truth, Okay, so when I say truth, I'm, I'm saying we've got an attached belief system to our inner narrative. So the things that I framed up as truth, let's just use one of those. I'd already shared that um, my dad was mentally ill and we were thrown from home to home. Um, when we went through the door of some of those homes, you know, some of our uh, other uh, relatives, they were like, they weren't overwhelmed to see us. You can believe that. And so we were parsed out to, you know, because there was five of us. And so uh, I just felt that, 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 um, no value walking through the door. It's like, Oh my gosh, there he is again. And so that shaped a piece inside of my narrative that gave me an air message at all times. Maybe, maybe not one that's audible, but one that I felt. And it's like, you have no value. And so I began to live that way. And, and I believe that once we have that inner narrative set up and that's what you believe about yourself, that you have no value, it's not long before you become on an automatic pilot course. It, it's, it's a sabotage. I believe with all my heart in all my years, my youthful years, I was the master saboteur. I sabotaged every relationship I had. I sabotaged family. I sabotaged every job I ever had. I sabotaged cars. Uh, you know, I, I, I broke it. I broke it because I believed that I didn't have value enough to be able to, you know, the, to have something nice, uh, to have a good relationship. I didn't believe that. 
And so I sabotage. I didn't do it consciously. It's a very subconscious uh, air message, just like the inner narrative. It's, we're driven by that subconscious message, but nevertheless, we're driven by it. And so I, I think it, it, it can set us up on a course where we don't even realize that we're sabotaging things. We sabotage relationships, uh, jobs, and, and everything around us, everything in our world. The, the, this is so true. It can be true of a marriage. Yes. yes. I, I'm, I, I, I've been married, and, and, and now this narrative is, is driving me. There's some drivers who are, uh, you know, that are a part of that. Yeah. And then I begin to sabotage the very thing that I've committed my life to. Yeah. And I'm going to sabotage this marriage. Yeah. And we never get out of bed and think, today I think I'll blow this marriage up. Yeah. I'll push the detonator down. It's never that. Mm-hmm. It's a very subconscious and slow process. I, I, I think so. and the enemy is so... And the in, we haven't even talked about spiritual warfare, right. but the enemy is all part of this as well. Yeah. You mentioned the other day, just real quickly, that the enemy works more probably on the front end of things. Yes. He does work on the back end. I, I talk about that to our listeners real quick. So we do have a very real adversary, and he's very, he's very, very much working in our lives to steal, kill, and destroy. But I don't think he has to do much in the latter years if he can put us on an automated course of sabotage in the earlier years because it's the inner narrative and all the lies that's clustered in that and the inner dialogue that accompanied it with uh, plausible arguments that justify things that other people in their rational, sober mind would never justify. And in the midst of that, there's a dopamine dump and uh, a euphoria in the midst of that sabotage and in that sin to where the reward looks much better at that moment than the, the side consequences. Yes. You mentioned the other day about a guy who experienced that as a young boy. Yes. Yes. So he, he began to be a voyeurist. Um, this was some time back uh, working with a client. He became a voyeurist early on. He began to look through doors and keyholes and various things and saw things. And so he framed up a narrative. And out of that unhealthy and perverse narrative, became drivers in the addiction world. There's, there's terms of, uh, the term is you act in and then you act out. So no one's acting out until they've acted in. So we framed up a narrative. We framed up a scenario. We framed up a fantasy, whatever it is we're acting in and inevitably in time we will act out. And so, um, this person, uh, had set up cameras in certain places, uh, to, to fulfill the voyeurism, uh, desire that he had within himself. And, and this is a very prominent, successful person, business person in Louisville. Um, and so it, it's shocking, traumatic to the kids, to the kids, uh, to the wife who had no clue and to the private community to which they lived in. And so that's what can happen when we're sabotaging life and living out the unhealthy narrative and living by the, in the unhealthy inner dialogue. It, and it started when he was a little kid. When he was a little kid. And so the enemy, our adversary, put him on a self-sabotaging uh, um, journey that ultimately blew up everything he's ever worked for all of his life. I've always said that the enemy, Satan, is the most patient of all of God's creation. Yeah. Because he will wait decades. Mm-hmm. He will set the, set the trap. This little kid, eight years old, ten years old, and then pretty soon... He will wait and wait and wait, and now the guy is 50 years old, and bang. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. 
and I'm just I'm just amazed. We're not talking spiritual warfare per se on this, but it's amazing how all and then how all this plays in. Talk to us a little bit about um, you mentioned the other day the healthy inner narrative. So this is a healthy inner narrative is descriptive, sure, but it's not prescriptive. But an unhealthy narrative is both descriptive and prescriptive. Correct. And I, I love that. I remember coming across that term and, and it just, it just blinds out of me because I thought, oh my gosh. So let's just say I'm framing up a narrative right here um, in this room. So I, I can describe in my mind's eye, I can walk outside of this room and, and tell you just about everything that was on the table, what you guys are dressed in. And so it's descriptive, very much so. Uh, but it doesn't mean uh, it's, it's prescriptive to the point where I need to go out and tell community what was in this room. Um, and so that's that's healthy. It's descriptive. But an unhealthy inner narrative uh, uh, it becomes prescriptive. In other words, it has the drivers. It prescribes something for you, and you will show up to get it. Give us an ex- a quick example of that. So I, I think that uh, um, the perversions in my own home, uh, some of the things I dealt with, uh, um, those things, uh, they seem normal. It was, it was, there's familiarity, there's security in familiarity. Uh, you feel secure in some, some places that have a, a lot of broken equilibrium. You just grow into that. Um, and so uh, that's exactly what happened in my life. Uh, I got to the point where uh, this was normal. Perversions were normal. Promiscuity was normal. My dad ran prostitutes out of our home. That was a normal way of life. And so it became prescriptive to me. It's a narrative, and I believe that that's this is a norm. So, so when you, when you say that, really, it was descriptive. And this is what it was happening. Yes. Prescriptive was this is where we're going. This is where we're going. This is this is where Daryl Davis is going. Wow, yep. Daryl, it is awesome to have you, and I, I I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit uses this to encourage, challenge, and help us guys, all of us who are listening, to be ch- changed, transformed. And I'm going to ask you to pray us out, and then we will see you next week on our next show. Awesome. Thank you, Kurt. Father, you are gracious and kind and merciful, and we just lift up every listener today, Father, and ask you to do an, an impact in their lives, God, that you remove every distraction, Father, and, and, and not let them grow weary in their well-doing. Lord, just continue to haunt them in their, their spirit until they are intentional about the situations going on in their lives. Do a mighty work, Father, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Daryl. Daryl, what is your website for your ministry? It's theprisonershope.life. Theprisonershope.life. If you want to know more about what Daryl does, and we didn't, by the way, that's not even what he does for his ministry. <laughs> so <laughs> what you heard was a personal journey. It was not just what he learned in the classroom academically. This was his personal journey, a lot of these things. But his website for his actual ministry is theprisonershope.life. Correct. So go to that and uh, and give. Uh, it, this all reminded me of in, in Luke 5, Jesus answered them. And them are the Pharisees. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Yeah. And a lot of times we look at Jesus and he heals physical healings. But what about your emotional, mental healings that need to happen? We're going to talk about that on the next show. So thanks for listening to Solid Central.